Thank you, Lord, for the sun and for the rain and for the snow and the cold and the warmth. Lord, we know you created the heavens and the earth for your glory, Lord. And we thank you for that. And we praise your name and glorify your name, Lord, today. We ask that you still our hearts and our minds and open them up to hear your word, to receive the message that you have for us today. We know the Holy Spirit is here working in this place to change our hearts and our minds. As we talk about the, the gifts that you've given us of marriage to be close to one another, Lord. And today we, we come here with our marriages intact, with our marriages broken, uh, with marriages ended, with marriages that are to come, Lord. And we ask that you put your healing hand and your voice on each one of those situations, Lord, and draw us close to you as we learn how to love one each other, one and another more, in your name. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. I am so excited to be here, not only this morning and to uh, open up the Word of God with you, but also just to be on staff and be a part of Rock Point Church. I am so pumped. My family's going to be here at the end of the service, and uh, you guys, uh, would lo- we, we look forward to, to meeting you, uh, getting to know you. We'll be in the uh, reception room uh, right out there uh, where all the goodies are, and uh, I look forward to, uh, to, to getting to know you uh, as the days ahead move forward. We are in this morning two inescapable truths, and I wanted to start off with those. The first inescapable truth that we are in the middle of is that Rock Point is in a marriage-focused time, right? Marriage emphasis. <clears throat> that's just that's just inescapable. Second is uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday. <clears throat> and so, Randy, come on and, and speak, because you can merge those two really well, right? And absolutely. Uh, actually, uh, I'm, I'm saying that to you up front because I realize the title could potentially be just a little cheesy. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now that um, I'm a native Houstonian, and uh, one of the props that we have this morning is uh, pretty exciting to me, because... Uh, this is a former Houston Oiler quarterback's helmet and uh, Lee Williamson. And uh, I'm just going to tell you right now, I may just hold on to it the whole time I speak, if that's okay. I'm just really, really, really excited. And uh, I know Lee won't mind if I keep this. And so um, <clears throat> there you go. Good. I'll just keep it right there. Um, so, some team is going to win tonight, right, in the house that Jerry built. <clears throat> and... Um, and the team's owner is going to be presented with the Lombardi Trophy. I don't have that behind the curtain. All that would be cool. Uh, and in either Pittsburgh or Green Bay, there's going to be a huge celebration. That trophy is going to be marched through the streets later this week. Big celebratory parade, right? And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to focus in on and try not to be you know too too cheesy. But let's just imagine for a minute what it would be like if we took the Super Bowl of marriage home every day. You're like, I, you know, I, I don't know how I would do that. How would I have literally the great, I mean, when you win the Super Bowl, you are the greatest team on the planet, right? And so what you're saying to me, Randy, is that you think that I could actually go home at the end of the day, lay my head on the pillow, and really have the greatest marriage on the planet? I mean, can I really get there? What is that going to take? And I just, wow, it's going to take a lot of flowers. It's gonna take, some of you are thinking it's going to take a lot of money. So some of you are going... It's going to take a lot of talking, <laughs> right? <laughs> Some of you are thinking of other things I'm not going to repeat, but uh, you, you, a lot of something, right? And here's the reality, okay? Some of us in the room, we're going, you know what? Honestly, I'm not sure that we'd make the wild card playoffs. 
But if we were really honest, some of us in the room would go, you know what, I'm not sure that we're going to make it to next year in the league. We've had a rough go. And we're not winning. As a matter of fact, I would say we're losing and we're losing badly. How do we not just survive but thrive in our relationships? How do we take that Vince Lombardi trophy of married life home every day? And before you check out on me because you're not married, listen up. We're about to jump into a passage that is not proprietary to married people. As a matter of fact, every point that we're going to cover, every tip that we're going to cover over the next 25 minutes or so is something that you can take into a relationship you currently are investing your life in and move it to the next level. Every one of them. How do we do that? Well, we're in First Thessalonians. I invite you to open your Bible with me and uh, look there at one of Paul's earliest canonical letters. It was written approximately 18 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it was written to believers in this seacoast town of Thessalonica. The town was an important trade and communication center. As a matter of fact, uh, estimates are that there were about close to a quarter of a million people who lived there. It was the largest town in Macedonia. It was the DFW of their day. And these people living in this town received this letter that was just filled with, uh, with insight for them in living. But specifically, every chapter of this letter, in some way, Paul is focusing them heavenward. The thrust of the letter is reminding them that Jesus is returning. And Paul encourages them to focus their attention on their eternal home and not to forget that really they're just simply visiting here. Let's look at these words in verse 16 of chapter 4. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. What is Paul saying here? He's saying, believers, listen up. I know it's difficult. I know that persecution is intense. I know you are tempted to give up and just blend back into the rest of the world. I know that your choice to follow Jesus does not come without consequences. But it's worth it. Which brings us to the first coaching tip to remember in our quest to take the trophy home. And that is this. The very simple point, this is an away game that we're living. It's not a home game. Uh, for, for the two pl- uh, teams that are playing tonight, neither one is playing a home game. Now, they may have felt it this week with the ice and the snow, Green Bay, Pittsburgh, right? But the reality is, it's not a home game for them. Now, they're both going to have their supporters and their detractors there in the stadium. But it's not a home game. Matter of fact, this whole week has been wrought with a variety of challenges, I'm sure, for them and distractions this week. The ice, the parties, the snow. And can't you just hear their coaches on this past Thursday when the curfew started to really be enforced and game preparations began to intensify and the coaches for both teams, you can just hear it. You can hear them saying, guys, listen up. We're here for one reason. And it's not to party like it's 1999 with Prince at the Omni Hotel. It's to win the Super Bowl. And just like those players and those early believers on that seacoast town, there are distractions everywhere in our own Metroplex. And Paul says, I want you to set your sights a little bit higher. I want you to set them a little bit 
higher. You were made to glorify Him and live with Him forever. Uh, I, I became a Christian when I was nine, and so Christian music's always kind of been a part of my DNA, I guess. In Houston, it was, uh, it was uh, KSBJ, a uh, radio station that I grew up on. If you're from Houston, you know that Christian radio station. And, uh, you know, with Christian music kind of being a part of who I was, there was one particular Christian artist, especially in the late 80s, early 90s, that I, it was just one of my favorites. His name is Charlie Peacock. And Charlie Peacock, uh, I, I have a, this is how old this is, right? I have a cassette tape of his um, <clears throat> that on uh, side B, um, uh, he's, uh, he's got this song called Aim a Little Higher. And I haven't listened to it in years because I don't think I have a cassette player that works. But when I was reading through Thessalonians again this week, that song hit in my mind. And the chorus goes, aim a little higher. You're shooting too low. Aim for the dirt, boy, you'll never know. Glorious redemption, a heavenly home. Aim a little, aim a little, aim a little higher. And Paul's saying to them, aim higher. In your relationship with that spouse, in your relationship with those that are so very important to you, aim higher. Not at the standards and goals and dreams that this world is selling. A quick journey through Ecclesiastes. And we are reminded it's not about acquiring the most toys, right? It's not about gratifying self. As a matter of fact, and this is, you know, some of us get, we, we miss this. It's easy for us to miss this. But it's not even about propelling our spouse or our kids toward great notoriety or financial gain or power. It's not. It's to know Him, 1 Thessalonians 5.9, and to be transformed by Him, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and to make Him known. So how does this play out in our marriages, in our relationships? One word, you can write it off to the side there, it's priorities. Not just the stated ones, but the ones that are lived out. How does our money get spent? How do our words get spoken? What does our... What does our time get spent doing? Um, early on in our marriage, actually the first year, uh, Holly and I decided to do something. We, we decided not to give big uh, uh, presents to each other at Christmas time. Instead, we decided to, to sponsor a child all year long for Compassion International. And so, um, uh, Faisa uh, in Ethiopia, we sponsored literally for the first 13 years of our marriage. Um, and um, you know, I, we, we spent a lot of money. We spent a lot of money on wrong things. Where our sites were not set very high. <laughs> a bread maker. Um, we've never used. Um, but, but you know what? I, I've, I've looked back over that relationship with Faisa through the years and thought, you know, we didn't do a lot of things right. But in that moment, we set our sites a little bit higher with the money. But we could have spent in a variety of different ways. Right? That's just, just one example of, of where, we, where we might have gotten just a little right over the last 15 years. Where's our money go? Where's our time go? If he's not in our discussions and our time and our money in more than just a token presence at meals and bedtimes and on Sunday morning, then we're probably living as if this is a home game. When it's not. It's an away game. So our first evaluative question of the day is on the screen there. What priorities are lived out in the course of the day in your relationship? And if we're really living as if this is an away game, then a byproduct of that life is that we will follow the leader. Right? I mean, that's, that's going to happen if we really got our sights set, sight, sight set higher. Uh, we've played a lot of follow the leader in our family. Simon says stuff like that. I mean, over the last nine years, we've got, we've got a, a little boy, Levi, who's about to be two uh, next month. We've got a four-year-old, a seven-year-old, a nine-year-old. 
Uh, several months ago, uh, Levi, our one-year-old, um, he was, uh, we, you know, we were playing follow the leader, true story, and we're following him around the house, you know, and, and he, he's walking and, and, and running, and, we, and we're following him, and he looks back every once in a while to make sure that we're still there, you know, and, I, and I'm following along behind him and he, trying to do everything he does, and all of a sudden, true story, his diaper just falls to the ground, and I, I'm like, I'm done following. I'm finished, you know, you've led fine up to this point, but I'm not following any farther. You know, sometimes who we're following is not is is not really where we want to go and what we want to emulate. And these teams that are about to play this game today, uh, they've got coaching staffs that have prepared a game plan and a strategy that is that is hopefully in their belief going to take them to victory. And the truth, though, is that there's two things that have to happen. See, for that to be successful, one is that the game plan has to be legit. But then second, the players have to actually do it, right? Well, here's good news this morning. If you, don't, if, if you didn't come to hear any other good news, here's, here's great news for us. Our leader and our game plan are both perfect. There's not a better one. The playbook for your marriage is undefeatable. Your coaching staff is 100% correct and trustworthy. We just got to listen to the coach and follow the plays. May our prayer be, Father, as individuals and couples, we're going to listen to you this week with the big decisions that we make, with the little ones that we make, and we're going to let our eyes and our ears and our hands and our feet be yours. First Thessalonians 5.23, check this out. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. What is Paul telling these believers here? He's saying, listen up. You're going to be sanctified in this process, and that means you're not going to look at the end of this the way that you look now. You are going to be set apart, and being set apart, God's going to do some things inside of you. But the focus here, I want you to look at it, is that word himself, because what Paul is saying to them is, listen, God himself, he's making it clear that the sanctification is God's work in us, that he is the coach. And the question is, are we allowing him to work in our marriages and in our relationships in us? What does that verse say? In our body, in our spirit, in our soul, in all of who we are. Now, for this to happen, we just got to be completely connected to his game plan. So simple. I've heard it for some of us all our lives, right? We've got to stay connected to his love letter to us. And as we do that and we hear the coach's plans for us, we can be sure that they are the best. So our priorities are resembling a higher aim now. And they look that way because we're trusting in and walking in the coach's game plan. And a part of that game plan has to be showing up with the right equipment, right? I mean, it just does. And I want you to imagine with me for a minute. Let's just imagine that you're on the 50-yard line and you've got those seats there in the house that Jerry built and you're watching the, the teams come onto the field and the offensive line of the Steelers comes, comes onto the field. And you notice that, you know, they, they've got some, it seems like the color is just about right, but there's a, but there's a bit of an issue. What you notice is the, the guys look smaller for some reason. And you realize instead of the pads, they've actually just taped construction paper all over them. Well, that would be absurd, right? You're saying, Randy, why would you even bring that up? That's just insanity. Nobody would ever do that. No, of course not, because they're going to come to the game ready to play, equipped. 
for the battle. And Paul, in 1 Thessalonians, is reminding these believers in your relationships to each other. Make sure that you come prepared. Check this out. Verse number eight. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Faith, hope and love. All three. That triad. Where else are they mentioned? They're mentioned in First Corinthians 13. Speaking about love. They're also mentioned in the first part of Thessalonians as well. You find this triad. Faith, hope and love. And it's connected to these two elements here of our spiritual armor. It's also found in Ephesians. And as we look at what he's saying here, he's reminding the Thessalonians, and he's reminding us, I believe, that in order to run the plays he wants us to run, we have to be suited up with a firm confidence in him. Putting on the helmet to say, all right, I'm going to wear this helmet of salvation. And in this, I recognize that this is not my home and he will overcome and he is a trustworthy coach. And this is not just some kind of hope that I have like, oh, gee, golly, maybe God's going to be right. But I have a firm confidence that he is. Aaron Rodgers, a couple weeks ago, after the win in Chicago, uh, with Chicago, was actually uh, in an interview, and uh, I don't know if you remember this or not, those who, who watched the game, but there was a head-to-head uh, collision with one of the defensive Chicago players. And, uh, and in the interview after the game, Aaron made this statement. He said, and I, actually that player was fined later because of the hit to Aaron Rodgers' head. And he, he made this statement. He said, at the last minute, I changed the helmet that I was wearing into one that was more concussion-proof. And he said, I believe the change that I made made a difference in how I walked away from that game. You know, what equipment that we wear makes all the difference in the world in our relationships to each other. And it's not just the helmet of salvation that we are hope-filled toward our Savior, but also, if you look, he's also saying that we are to wear faith and love pointing to the shoulder pads at this point, the breastplate, because he wants us to also have a heart that's protected. What if Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart, for out of it goes a wellspring of life. It's faithfully walking in his love. That's protecting my heart. And here's what I believe. Guys, especially, I would say this, I would say that as you walk with the breastplate of righteousness on in your life, and you allow faith and love to flow through your life, you'll not only protect your heart, but you will begin to help protect the heart of your spouse as well. But love has to come off of that greeting card that we give each other next week. And God is reminding us here that when that happens, and love is not just on the printed page, but inside of our lives, that then our lives are lived with integrity. Then the love that we say we have for our spouse really looks like that whenever the four walls are there and we're inside the house. And 1 Corinthians 13 really is there. In Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit really is a part of that equation. And when people spend the day with us, they see that there is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. Not just because we do that as a church person, but because it flows out of me toward that relationship with my spouse.
And that therein becomes this life of integrity that God says, I want you to have as you wear that breastplate of faith and love. Several months ago, my wife, Holly, was speaking to several of my friends. And one of the guys comment, I was not there. And one of the guys commented to her of how I re, of how I related to a particular situation earlier in the week. And she was shocked at my behavior. Um, it was out of character for me. And uh, several hours later, two of my friends that were in that conversation pulled her aside. Again, I wasn't a part of any of it. Um, and they said, Holly, um, Randy didn't respond that way at all. You realize he was just trying to get get at you. He was just trying to mess with you. And she came home later that night and she relayed those conversations to me. And I had a variety of feelings come over me. <laughs> I was angry at my so-called friend for the character assassination that he thought he would do just to kind of be funny. Um, I was also very thankful for the friends that stood in the gap. <laughs> Most definitely say, no, we were there. He didn't say that. He didn't act like that. He did. That was not his response. But I guess more than anything else, as I sat there in my living room, I just thought, wow, I'm just really encouraged. Not that Randy's perfect. My kids and my wife will attest to that. (laughs) But that God is at work in me and my hope and my prayer is that as I live my life, it's one that looks the way that it's also spoken. That it really is who I say that I am. And, you know, we can all say we can grow in that area and I still have a long way to go. But as we wear that breastplate of righteousness, God helps us stay guarded in those moments. Evaluative question number three in our relationships. Do we live out faith, hope, and love? Game day coaching tip number four. Teamwork is a (laughs) non-negotiable. One guy is not going to win the game today. And you by yourself is not going to make your marriage successful. Football is a team sport, and I believe so is Christianity. And so is our marriage. Look at Paul's words in chapter 5, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and what? Build each other up. This is not uncommon. We know this verse. Just as in the fact, just as in fact you are doing. God created us to do this thing together. Over the years, in the context of relationships and doing life together and small group life, um, I believe Holly and I have experienced the reality of our need for community. In 2003, Holly's dad dropped dead of a heart attack unexpectedly. 59 years of age, he was star of his softball team, taking his blood pressure every day, epitome of health, we thought. And he was gone. And I can tell you, the community of faith that was meeting weekly in our home came around us and we discovered what that would be and how much we need that. I've watched as adultery was admitted and the group loved the couple through the most difficult, unimaginable times you can think. And now that couple is reconciled and following hard after God. I've watched some groups support those who have a spouse that deserted them or was not a believer or was just apathetic or unsupportive. But, you know, I've also sat at the breakfast table in my home with men late at night And just been a part of the encouragement and love and support as we try to be the husbands that we're supposed to be for our wives. And you know, 
I, I've walked away from the last 10 plus years of doing small group life like that, 100% convinced that doing that is not just a nice addendum to the Christian faith, but it is an essential. Because you know what? Our enemy is too determined and crafty and this world is too overwhelming and we should be loving our spouses too much to not be in a group like that. Now, would you have expected anything less from the guy who's come on staff today to champion small group life? Of course not. But paycheck aside, I really believe it. Doing life together. Evaluative question number four. In our relationship, do we have the support of others? Okay, we're in the home stretch now. We're coming to game day coaching tip number five. Here it comes. Don't be consumed by yesterday's failures or accomplishments. I want you to imagine for, with me for a minute if all those Pittsburgh players step in to the game today and all they're consumed by is the fact that, yeah, we're the Steelers. We're one of the most successful franchises in football history. They're going to lose the game. Matter of fact, if a Green Bay uh, a defensive uh, player is just consumed by his failure to stay up with one of the Steeler uh, uh, wide receivers because he's been burned so many times by that guy in the past. Can I just tell you, he's probably going to set himself up to get burned again today. When we live in the past, successes, failures, we fail to really move the ball forward. In the game of today. So how does that live itself out in our married life, Randy? Well, it's quotes like this. Well, yeah, sure. We we spend time together. We get away, just the two of us. I mean, we spent that whole weekend together back in 96. It was good. It was a great success. I never measure up in his eyes. He thinks I can't do anything right. I'm sure he feels that way about this, too. She's never been encouraging to me. He's always been a horrible listener. And we may not say those things out loud, but when we enter the relationships of this moment with that tape playing in the back of our minds, we're setting ourselves up for failure. 1 Thessalonians 5.15 Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Paying back wrong for wrong. My focus is on the past. How can I get back at? How can I? And I'm thinking about what's happened to me. And that's where my focus is. It's not on the coach. 1 Thessalonians 5.3 While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Say, why are we bringing that out? Because Paul was saying to these fellow believers in the Most High God, watch out. You may be experiencing persecution right now in this moment, but there's coming a day when your focus will be on how good you've got it or how good you've had it. And you'll be resting on the successes of where you've been. And can I just tell you, watch out. Because it's so easy for us to just focus in on the past and live our lives based that way. Maybe that's why Paul said in Philippians, forgetting what is behind me and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So evaluative game day question number five. What do I need to either let go of or add? Okay, so you don't listen well. Start. Work on it. So that's kind of 
tough seminar talk, isn't it, Randy? Well, no, actually, the seminar's in there. I'm just reading God's Word here. But you see, I think in reading God's Word, what we see Paul doing is saying, listen, take responsibility for as much as it depends on you. You can't change what they've done. You can't change the past. But what you can do is choose to be the encourager. Choose to be the forgiver. Choose to be the peacemaker. So what do I need to let go of? What do I need to add? And finally, game day coaching tip number six. Making adjustments is necessary. Halftime is going to come. And hopefully without wardrobe malfunctions. Black Eyed Peas promised us that, right? But after that big show, what happens? Well, all the coaches and the commentators and the armchair quarterbacks are talking about what? What adjustments need to be made so that, be made so that the team wins? What, what has to happen here? And Paul, I believe, in this letter to the Thessalonians, is doing the same thing. You know, in, in, the, in the football game, it might be that the defense needs to zone in on a particular running back, or maybe a team needs to stop turning the ball over so much, or maybe the, uh, maybe the special team needs to wake up and realize they're actually playing in the Super Bowl. I don't know. There's a lot of different game day adjustments that might need to be made. But you know what? We've got those adjustments that need to be made in our lives too. Because we live in a fallen world. Things are not perfect. And people are going to disappoint. Even the one that you share the bed with. And we, in the back of our minds, go, oh yeah, sure, yeah, that's right. But the reality is, if we don't walk into this recognizing our responsibility, as far as it depends on us, read it. Verse 13. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always be kind to each other and to everyone else. Why was Paul going there with these believers? Because he wanted them to remember. Again, go back to coaching tip number one. They're in an away game, in a fallen world, and sometimes the helmet of the opponent knocks us out unconscious. And sometimes we are the ones who fumble the ball. But regardless of who is at fault... There are going to be times of war and idleness and weakness and impatience and unkindness. And all of that may get experienced in your home with your spouse before the kids ever go to school in the morning. But God says, listen, you're responsible for your actions and your reactions. But she hurt me. Forgive. But he's so impatient. Be patient. But I didn't do anything. Why do I have to? But at least I. And the cold, hard truth is that pride will keep us from having the marriage that we really want deep down inside. So maybe the last tip is the toughest call to action. It's one of sacrifice. Where has my pride kept me from God's best? And this relationship with this significant person in my life, is there humility or forgiveness that needs to show up today. Most of you in here did not wake up this morning wondering how you could destroy the most important relationships in your life. I realize that. I would imagine, though, that maybe, hopefully, prayerfully, over the last 25 minutes, just the opposites occurred. That you go, you know what, Randy? God has birthed in my heart a new resolve to bring the trophy home. And when I look at those coaching tips, I want to aim a little higher. I know I've been shooting low. My goals and dreams for our relationship and where we're headed and the goals that we have as a couple have been, at best, the world standard. 
And that's a horrible standard. As a matter of fact, if that's the standard, it's failing. You say, you know, I realize my eyes haven't been on the coach. That our relationship has been in a rut because we're not reading the game plan. I'm not where I'm not suited up. I'm not putting on the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of faith. And faith, hope, and love are not characteristics of our relationship right now. Maybe you just say, we got to get some support on the team here. We've been trying to do this by ourselves. And this senior associate pastor working with small groups has finally called my number. And I realized what I need to do. We weren't designed to do this by ourselves. Maybe it's letting go of something or adding something. Maybe it's just dealing with pride. And forgiveness and humility needs to step into the relationship this afternoon when y'all get home before the hors d'oeuvres are served. I don't know what he said, but I know this. You didn't show up this morning accidentally. As a matter of fact, my belief is that God pursued you to this moment to tell you something. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to encourage us all with the remaining time that we have left to go to God and create in this moment a house of prayer. And you've been sitting for a long time. So what I'm going to actually invite us to do right now is just to stand up. Will you stand up with me? And we're going to pray. We've got a few more songs that the worship team is going to lead us in. But as they do that, what I'm going to invite you to do is just bow with me at this time. Maybe today what God has done is he's spoken to you, not necessarily about your marriage, but more so about your eternity. And what he whispered to you was, you can't have significant eternal change in the relationship with the person sitting next to you until you've had significant spiritual eternal change inside of you. And the only way that happens is to place our faith and our trust in him as our savior. That's the way that we, that we live life to its fullest both now and forever. And you can do that by saying something like this to him right now in the quietness of this moment. Jesus, I know you died on the cross and you rose again to save those separated from you. I'm that person. Forgive me of my sin. By faith, I receive you as my Savior and Lord and friend. Change my life. God, make me new. Help me to live for you. If you just said that prayer, I'd love to know about it. Ron Wood, we'd love to be able to encourage you in this brand new step of transformation that you just took. For the rest of us, maybe as the music starts, what you would want to do is just say, you know what, we're going to we're going to recommit to you, God, in this relationship. Couples, maybe you want to make this an altar right where you are. Maybe you want to make this stage an altar and just pray together. It's all good. Maybe you just pray silently. There's somebody in the room that can be an encourager to you. And what you need to do, maybe now, maybe right after the service is over, go to them and say, you know what? I, I want to figure out how we can connect so that I have a team of people around me who support me and my spouse. 
I don't know. There's there's so many things that God could be saying right now, right? So the best thing to do for me is probably just to be quiet and let him speak. The music's going to play. And I'm just going to invite you to pray. God, we welcome you in this moment. Thank you for being the author of love. Thank you for reminding us to aim a little higher this morning. To focus in in your direction and the relationships around us. To ask you the question, what would you have me do? How would you have me live? God, we welcome you as you speak. May we walk away changed because we have met with you, the change agent. In our worship in this place, in this moment, in Jesus' name.